Well, welcome back to our study in the book of James, ladies. Today we'll be in James chapter 5, and I've titled this lesson, Day 10, Luxury and Self-Indulgence. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open to James chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Come now, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have corroded, and their corrosion will be evidence against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have laid up treasure in the last days. Behold, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you. And the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lived on the earth in luxury and in self-indulgence. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. So we've seen the warning about the tongue, about making sure that your faith has fruit, and now James seems to be addressing something very specific. This is a very specific warning that has to be geared toward a specific group of people, yet the principles here we can still learn from today. Still, knowing that 1 Timothy 6.10 says that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, we can figure out that it isn't the money that's the actual problem. It's, as James says, their self-indulgent hearts. So let's dig in here today. Again, this is too pointed a rebuke for there not to be a specific issue going on. The rich there must be misusing the power that comes with their wealth and they are abusing other people. Their wealth is temporary. Their power is temporary. And James warns them that their gold and silver will rot. It will corrode and be worthless. And that will be more evidence of their sin as the thing they look to for their power fails and they are left only for the day of slaughter. These people were truly abusing others out of their greed. Far from paying their workers generously, far from treating their workers with kindness and respect, they are cheating them of their wages in an effort to store up more treasure for themselves. This, by the way, is against the Mosaic law as well. In Leviticus 19 and Deuteronomy 24, God makes it clear that wages are to be paid, they are to be fair wages, and they are to be paid on time. They have lived on the earth in luxury and self-indulgence. I admit, I have this image in my head of Mr. Burns from The Simpsons, this little weasel of a man who has no friends. No one likes him at all, but hey, he's got his money, and he doesn't even care that he's completely alone in his life. As long as he has his money, as long as he can make people do whatever he wants them to do because of his money, nothing else matters. He is truly getting what he wants, but all the while what he doesn't see is the destruction coming. And that's the picture James gives of animals fattened for the slaughter. They aren't aware of the danger ahead, they just know that they are getting to eat lots of food and they're happy. These rich people have fattened their hearts for the day of slaughter. The condemnation for these people will be far worse than the fate of the cows. The quest of these rich people to secure more wealth is only securing them more condemnation. Look at what has happened with the cries of the laborers. They have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. Ladies, that's a military title. That title is one that describes God when he is coming in justice and in might and in power. That's the aspect of God that is responding to the cries of these righteous laborers who are being defrauded. 
That title alone should bring fear into the hearts of these rich, self-indulgent people. Read through Malachi and see how many times that title is used by God to describe himself. Justice is coming, and it's coming with a sword. When people misuse or abuse their power, the result is sadly frequently real harm done to other people, leading even to death. After all, cheating the laborer of the wages due to him means he can't buy food for himself and he could starve. The blame for that, James says, is on the head of these unjust, wicked, rich people. And then James issues a sober warning. God isn't fooled when people sin. God doesn't miss what is going on in their hearts. They may say that they withheld the wages from the workers and it was right for them to do so, but James calls it fraud. That is not what God's people should be known for. This is a serious issue and the language that James uses shows us that he is equating the rich people with, well, the wickedness of the world. The poor he is equating with the righteous. So either the rich here aren't truly saved and their works are demonstrating that, or they are and James is calling them to repent ASAP because they aren't fooling God. Here's the thing that we have to keep in mind here. Again, the wealth is not the problem. Their heart condition is. Scripture does not condemn wealth. In many cases, wealth in this life can be a sign of blessing, and that's real. God's favor on Abraham is a great example of that. Abraham was ridiculously wealthy, and a big part of why is because God blessed him. Yet wealth does come with potential sin issues. Let's be honest, the wealth may just make it easier for you to sin, but it doesn't cause you to sin, and it isn't the root of it at all. But there is responsibility that comes with wealth, and when the wealthy fail to manage wisely what God has given them, there are consequences. As Spider-Man would say, with great power comes great responsibility. Even comic book characters grasp this principle. If you have wealth, remember, it will ultimately all rot. You can't take any of it with you when you die. How are you using your wealth today to glorify God, to help his people, to bless those around you, to steward the responsibilities he has given you in your own life? Is your wealth your source of comfort? Don't let your wealth be your reason for living. Just as we read yesterday, hold your wealth loosely. Be ready to give it up to God at any point. It's all really His anyway. This was a serious issue as James wrote this, one that has eternal consequences. We should control our wealth in a way that honors God, not allow our wealth to control us. God isn't fooled. He knows what your heart is really after, and there is a real day of slaughter coming for those who are not His. Examine yourself. Along that line, just a word here to those who do not have wealth of this kind. First of all, don't assume that every person who does have wealth has it unjustly. That's simply not the case, and that kind of assumption can lead to very dangerous places, so steer clear of that. Secondly, don't assume that because you aren't crazy wealthy, you can be careless with what you have. You can't. God has given to you what you have, and you are still called to steward it wisely. Thirdly, know that some of the greediest people I've ever met are those who have very little. Just because you have little wealth doesn't mean you are automatically not consumed with wealth. 
It is very easy to become discontent in your situation and to become bitter about it. Fight that with everything you have, ladies. Don't despise those who have more than you any more than you despise those who have less. Steward what you have. Steward it wisely. Be generous in sharing with others. And above all, remember to do all of this to the glory of God. Period. Trust that God does know what he's doing and that he will deal with the unjust on the day of slaughter. Remember, it's not your job to avenge wrongs that have been done. Yes, pursue the legal means to right a wrong if that's a possibility, but if justice in this world doesn't happen, know that it will. God is the perfect, righteous judge, and whatever wrongs done will be dealt with, either because God will bring those people to true repentance or they will be dealt with on the day he returns. So questions for us to consider today. How are you so focused on your wealth or your lack of wealth that you have replaced God in your life with a treasure that will perish? How might you be storing up treasure on earth, treasure that will be destroyed and has no eternal value? How might you be using whatever wealth you have, or perhaps don't have, to manipulate others to get what you want? Are you living in a self-indulgent fashion, fattening up your own heart for slaughter? Don't wait another day to deal with this lady's repent. Cry out to God and ask Him to help you to have a right view of wealth and to value what He values. Ask Him to help you to be generous with others, not to be greedy, to set aside your self-indulgent ways and look for ways to work for the good of those around you, for the glory of God. Remember, God does know your heart, so there's no point in lying to yourself about this. And don't despair when you strive to purge this from your life. We will all be dealing with sin until we are glorified, so take heart. One day at a time, one step at a time, ask God to help you to draw closer to Him, to use the resources you have for His glory, and ask Him to show you the growth in your life as you do this. But don't make excuses for your sin. Work with God to sanctify you and conform you more into the image of His Son, even when it hurts. Ladies, you'll find the notes for this study under the Bible Studies tab of the website naomistable.com, Day 10, Luxury and Self-Indulgence.